from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. All offseason, which is really not, I mean, we're, I, we're in the offseason. We're in the postseason, I guess. NFL postseason, Panthers offseason. I mean, it's been Panthers offseason since, what, week 10? Since actually, I'm sorry, week 12 when after they fired, fired, yep. fired yeah. Frank Wright. It's probably, probably a good divider. Uh, all offseason, we've been assuming that the Panthers would hire a rising offensive mind to be their head coach. That's why Ben Johnson's name has popped up so much. That's why Bobby Slowick is, is near the top of everyone's lift. That's why uh, Brian Callahan was coming back for a second interview before being hired by uh, the Titans. That's why Dave Canales seems to have jumped to the, the, the pole position for, for the hiring. But would you be cool with a defensive guy? I don't know. I don't, should we take a step back and go, are we are we too tunnel vision here? Like, if the hot name offensive gurus turned down interviews, if Slowick said thanks but no thanks, if Ben Johnson said, you know what, that Washington money spends just as well, if, 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 if they all said, you know what, never mind, the question becomes, would you rather a top-name defensive-minded head coach like uh, Raheem Morris, like uh, Mike Vrabel, like a Dan Quinn. By the way, Mike Vrabel expected to now interview with the Panthers tomorrow after not being mentioned amongst the interviews throughout this whole process. Uh, Raheem Morris already had his second interview. That was today, I believe, actually. He and Dave Canales, both today. And Dave Canales today. So, so there's some defensive guys with some bona fides being entertained. Would you rather have a top-name defensive guy or a step down to a less buzzy, less sizzly offensive guy like a Dave Canales, right? Because you enter into this offseason, it really was. It's, I mean, it still is the, the Ben Johnson show. He reclaimed and revitalized Jared Goff, and look what he's doing with uh, Amonra St. Brown, and, that, and oh, goodness, Jameer Gibbs, and all of these things. Sam Laporta. Like, he is that. And and Bobby Slowick and C.J. Stroud, oh, my goodness, look what they're able to do. And then there's Dave Canales, who has his own little nice resume, right? Made made Russell look good, made Geno Smith look good, made Baker Mayfield look pretty pretty serviceable. Uh, he, But it's less buzzy. Or you could go get Dan Quinn. What did he do? He led one of the best defenses in the league for the, the Cowboys and developed Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs into stars. Or do you go get Mike Vrabel? What has he done? He's a walking culture of a of a tough, gosh darn football team. Or you go get Raheem Morris. What has he done? Well, all he's done is earned the the trust of every big name in the industry. Going back to his days on that Washington 2013 uh, coaching staff that had Sean McVay and Lafleur and McDaniel and Slowick and Shanahan and everybody else. Do you want the defensive guy? I have, a, I have a very quick answer for this. Hit me. No. Oh. You do not want the defensive guy. And that's not to say that I don't respect some defensive coaches. I respect a whole bunch of re- defensive coaches. I respect Mike Vrabel immensely. He's in my top three coaches to 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 hire, and I'll tell you why. And why are you like, wait a second, you just said you don't want a defensive coach. Why is Vrabel that high? I'll tell you why in a second. But here is the stat. That shows why you want an offensive-minded head coach, if at all possible. Now that Brian Callahan is leaving Cincinnati to go to Tennessee, 
And if we assume, and I think this is a safe assumption, that Atlanta's new new head coach uh, will replace their offensive coordinator, Dave Ragone, that means no offensive coordinator in the NFL was hired as the offensive coordinator position that they stand right now before 2022. I mean, technically, the NFL 2023 season hasn't ended yet. Nobody's been in their current offensive coordinator position since before 2022, which could also be described as last season. (laughs) Basically. Nobody has been an offensive coordinator going back before last season. So, Bryce Young, pretty important to what the Panthers are doing. Pretty important to what the, the Panthers have going on. He is a young quarterback craving stability if the offensive scheme that you run is not coming from the head coach if the offensive scheme that you run is coming from the offensive coordinator which it is when you have a defensive minded head coach it will change every two years if your offensive scheme is coming from your coordinator there's very little guarantee, very little expectation that that scheme will be the same in 2025, let alone 2026. Meanwhile, Bryce Young's still on the first four years, first rookie contract in 2026. If the 2023 season this past year, next year 2024, next year 2025, next year 2026. If you don't want him to have pretty much at minimum three different schemes in his first four years you need to hire an offensive-minded head coach and he's already had two play callers that flipped back and forth multiple times his rookie year that didn't help things look and i'll use i'll use some examples to show you why it's bad uh jalen hurts right Mm -hmm. good quarterback we can all establish that right he's worth like 50 million dollars a year so he must be pretty good uh going back to his days in college he has had eight coordinators in nine years One time in his career, going back to Alabama, remember before Oklahoma, he was at Alabama? One time, going back to his time at Alabama, he's had the same coordinator in back-to-back years. Guess what he did in that second year? Took the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl. He is 100% on if he has the same offensive coordinator in back-to-back years, he goes to the Super Bowl. It's important to have stability. I mean, and and by the way, he's not the youngest quarterback out there, but I consider him still a young quarterback, mid-20s. It's wildly valuable for young quarterbacks to have stability. So if you bring in Raheem Morris, who's his offensive coordinator? Let's Thomas call, Brown. Yeah, I would say, let's call him Joe Schmo. Ah, Thomas Brown would be the same coordinator back-to-back years, so that'd be a different beast. Uh, Raheem, they work together in L.A. Raheem Morris, if he comes in and brings in Joe Schmo, some quarterback coach from some other team, he brings in Joe Schmo, Joe Schmo has a great year. Bryce Young goes to the Pro Bowl. Guess what happens? He gets a head coaching job. Joe Schmo is gone, and mm-hmm. he's high-paid by the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right? It's 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 He's just gone. That's how it happens. Bobby Slowick was hired as the offensive coordinator for a defensive-minded first-time head coach in D'Amico Ryans down there in Houston. And guess what? D'Amico Ryans made a great hire. Slowick was the perfect guy for the job. He took his rookie contract and a hodgepodge of draft picks and journeyman wide receivers, turned him into a great offense. They won a playoff game. Guess what's going to happen? 
Bobby Slowick's interviewing for every head coaching job. Mm-hmm. And if he and if he's not gone this year, he'll be gone next year. Oh, if you have a repeat season in Houston, absolutely. And then you're looking for a new guy, and boom. Now, despite the fact that C.J. Stroud had a great rookie year, he's on to his next play caller, he's on to his next scheme, and he doesn't have stability. Now, the flip side is you hire an offensive-minded head coach, quarterback does well, guess what happens? They grow old together, mm-hmm. right? They, they they just get better and better and better. You end up with a Sean Payton, Drew Brees style. We've been together for 10 years. We can look at each other and know I got to get milk on the way home because you drank mine when you were at my house last night. Reed and Mahomes. Reed and – I mean, and they didn't all match up at the beginning of their careers, but they could have. Mm-hmm. They could have, right? Like if if uh, the, the Niners – if both their coordinators leave, guess what? Brock Purdy still has consistency in his offensive scheme because Kyle Shanahan is the offensive scheme. Jordan Love and LaFleur, right? If if LaFleur was the offensive coordinator of Green Bay rather than the head coach, Jordan Love's getting a new he's getting a new coordinator next year because everybody wants a new scheme next year because everybody wants LaFleur to go develop their young quarterback. That's how it works. So the reason why Vrabel, let me get back to that. The reason why I like Vrabel is because I think he'll bring Arthur Smith, and I think Arthur Smith, if it goes well, still won't get head coaching jobs because it went that poorly in Atlanta. right? If Arthur Smith is your coordinator and you have a great season, everyone's going to go, wow, great season. Yeah, I still don't want him as my head coach because we just saw what you did to B. John Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts. So that's the only reason why I think – if, if you get Vrabel and you don't get Arthur Smith, I'm more cautious, and then I want to see who the coordinator is. So that's why you want an offensive guy, to keep your offense the same for more than two years. Because <laughs> if you coordinators change every two years offensively. That's absurd. That means, you know, freshman, sophomore, new, new offense. <laughs> that's crazy. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Brian Murphy, WRAL Sports Investigative Reporter, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline uh, to discuss the the date. We finally have a date. We've been waiting for so long, uh, and we'll wait a few more months. Uh, but March 11th is the day sports gambling will be will be allowed and, and legal here in the state of North Carolina. I guess we'll start with the obvious, Brian. Thank you for taking the time. And and why March 11th? Why is that the, the day we'll finally get to, to swipe on our phone and pick our favorite teams? <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I think they were trying to to get in before the tournament start. I mean, let's let's be obvious. There's been a lot of talk about getting this up and running before college basketball postseason. And March 11th is the day before the ACC tournament begins in Washington D.C. It's you know about a week and a half before the NCAA tournament begins, the the women's tournament as well. Um, I think they really had March Madness kind of circled on their calendar and have worked you know, to try to, to try to hit that date. All, all their deadlines have sort of been focused around trying to hit sometime in early March. What do they need to do before then to make sure this goes smoothly? Because you, I mean, you brought it up. It's the day before the ACC tournament. You know, if, if we're thinking Notre Dame Syracuse is something we might be, be interested in wagering on what needs to happen to allow us to do that. Yeah. Right now, a lot of the ball is in the, is in the operator's court. So we have had nine operators and, and this is the fan duels and the DraftKings and the bet MGMs of the world apply for licenses. Um, there's still work they have to do. In fact, on Friday, they have to provide their internal control protocol to, to the commission and they'll have to check that out. They'll have to make sure that they can protect your money, that they can have a responsible gaming, uh, you know, setup. that they, you know, if you say, I don't want to gamble anymore, take me off this list that you're actually blocked from getting on the site. Um, all, all those fun things that we don't really think about, but but obviously regulators think about. So they have to work on that. And then they have to have their platform up and ready uh, to take bets here in North Carolina. So they have to work with geo compliance stuff. So uh, you can't get in if you're in Georgia or South Carolina, uh, but you can get in if you're in North Carolina. And by March 1st, they're going to allow those, the ones who they've deemed are, are, rare, are ready, they're going to give them license approval and on March 1st, you'll be able to create your North Carolina account and, and fund that account. And then you'll have, you know, uh, about 10 days before you can start placing your real bets. Brian Murphy, WRL sports investigative reporter, joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. Uh, you brought up that that March 1st date. Is is that the only thing we need to do, right? We don't if, if it opens up March 11th, we don't all, all want to run to our phone. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, actually, you have, you know, two weeks of, of prep work to get ready. Is what, what do we have to do, uh, you know, maybe outside of what the sports books have to do? Yeah, I, nothing. You you have to fund that account, so um, you know it, it doesn't Simple take very long. Right. Yeah, it doesn't take very <laughs> long, but you, you know you gotta you've got to provide them with information uh, to prove that you're 21 uh, to, to actually have a credit card or or a debit card tied to the account. Uh, you'll have to put a social security number because if you win a bunch of money, right, which all of us are going to do, um, you're going to have to pay taxes, and so they're going to have to know who they just paid out that that million dollar payout to. So um, they're you know the the process of of getting logged in and, and creating your account is not the hardest thing in the world clearly but it's not the easiest thing either so i think they've given people a little bit of time and you can check out the apps you can decide which one you want to put your money with um, they've kind of built in a little bit of that time for the consumer to get comfortable with with am i going to pick this one am i going to pick that one uh, and, and that also builds in some advertising time i think we're going to see a blitz of advertising from these operators trying to get you to pick to pick their outlet as opposed to going to a different one. Brian Murphy. And also, I mean, I guess it's a congratulations to you. You've been on this from the very beginning. It's nice to have a, uh, a light at the end of the tunnel. So, so uh, good work on, on all of that, that I'm sure you've been, you've been tracking. Uh, but there's another uh, something you've been tracking and, and another big part of uh, sports in North Carolina, uh, UNC system president and its board of governors, uh, where are we on the, you know, I'm calling it kind of colloquially that the handcuffing of NC state and UNC to each other in conference realignment. Yeah. So today a committee approved the, the change in the language, and this would give both the system president and the board kind of veto ability over conference realignment moves from any public in state schools. 
they haven't really brought this up, even though App State and Charlotte and ECU have changed conferences. Uh, but, you know, we're really talking about North Carolina and, and North Carolina State here. Um, so we passed the committee today. It will still have to go before the full board of governors, and I suspect that will be at its next meeting, likely next month. Um, and, and, yeah, this will give them the oversight, You know, the, the school. So let's just use North Carolina as the example. UNC would have to provide a financial plan to the board and to the president saying this is, you know, this is why we're doing it. This is what we think we're going to generate from switching to the SEC or the Big Ten. And then the president would have to approve it. And even if the president approves it, the board would then get an opportunity to vote it up or down. Um, yeah, certainly from the outside, it looks like uh, a handcuffing of sorts. Uh, you know, I, the, the North Carolina as a state is very invested in the ACC, uh, not only North Carolina and North Carolina State, but Duke and Wake and the number of events that the state hosts from the ACC that probably wouldn't happen if if the flagship schools went to the went to the SEC or, or the Big Ten. Um, but I also think that the board is sort of asserting itself in an oversight role. Like we saw this in California, right? The UCLA was already out the door before the board was like, whoa, what's going on here? And so I think this board just wants to be ahead of that. Will they be nimble enough to move the way that, that these boards have had to move when it comes to conference realignment? We'll see. Um, but I, I don't, I, I think having with the committee having passed it, I think we're just a month away from the board passing it as well. Is, is, is there a president for this? Because, you know, we saw Oregon State and Oregon separate, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State separate. You brought up UCLA out the door before they tried to get get their things in order. Uh, do other states have these types of agreements where the, the state schools are kind of uh, moving as a pair? Well, you know, I think I think you gave a lot of good examples of schools that have broken up. I mean, we mm -hmm. saw that the Cal regents, I believe they're called in California, uh, you know, require are requiring UCLA to pay money to Cal Berkeley uh, to help Cal Berkeley navigate the loss of money from the implosion of the Pac-12. I mean, the best example is is in the ACC, where Virginia was not allowed to vote for expansion unless that expansion included Virginia Tech. And now we're talking 20 years ago, but that was politics that got Virginia Tech into the ACC. It turned out to be a great move. I think for the league and for the school, but but it was plain politics that got them in. I mean, we've seen, you know, there was a fight among U.S. senators uh, over which Big Twelve, you know, whether West Virginia or Louisville was going to get in the Big Twelve. So politics getting involved in these decisions is is quite common, um, and we'll see. I, I mean, I, I'm still interested, even if this goes into effect. I, I find it hard to believe that the the board, the system president, and and the board would turn down the opportunity for one of their schools to collect a hundred million dollars a year or whatever the case may be. Um, so it'll be interesting, even, even if they put this in, how it actually shakes out in the end. Brian Murphy, WRAL sports investigative reporter, uh, last one for you. And thank you for taking the time. Um, how does this apply to maybe the, the, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this, the, the kind of gigantic culture shifting moves that might be coming. Obviously it would apply to if they want to join the sec or the big 10, we've seen other, other, teams and programs go through that but what if it's something like we have an invite to a 30 football team non-ncaa you know we're not leaving the acc we're leaving the ncaa just for a couple sports does this apply to all of those things as well or just conference realignment i, I would imagine it does i'll have to read the proposal a little more closely mm -hmm. um but I, it it involves if you're changing athletic conferences so um I would imagine if there is this super tier one that, that I, the super league is what I've turned, started <laughs> calling it uh, like in, like in soccer, if there's a, a group of 30 or 32 teams that decide to break off from the NCAA, 
Um, it will be interesting to see, you know, the Charlie Baker, the president of the NCAA has proposed this new tier one division, like kind of on top of division one. Um, and if the ACC, if all the ACC schools decide they don't want to do that, but, but state and Carolina decide they do want to do it, would they need approval? I, there's a lot of questions, but I, I just think the board wants more say in, in what happens at these individual campuses. Don't we all? They could check with me and run, run it by me a few times. <laughs> I'll, I'll give them the, the yes or the no, like uh, the, the emperor in, in Gladiator, just thumbs up or thumbs down on all moves. You got to earn yourself an appointment to one of those boards, <laughs> apparently. And, and that, that won't be happening anytime soon. Uh, you'd be suited for it. I'd vote for you on, on one of these boards. Uh, Brian, we appreciate you for taking the time, and, and we'll check back in as gambling gets closer, as, as more develops, and in, in, in basically everything you got going on. All right, thanks, Tip. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.